one of the gentlemen that you just saw on the video. Uh, Jim Jung and his wife Claudia, along with their daughter Eleanor, have been uh, ministering in Sydney, Australia, uh, as you heard in the video, for the last 10 years. Uh, and we as a church have had a relationship uh, with Jim and his family for quite some time, and we have been supporters of their ministry there. And uh, it is um, we are very honored to uh, be able to have Jim bring us God's word today. So I'd like to ask uh, Jim to, uh, to come up, and he'll be available for autographs after you saw him in the, the video there afterwards. Thank you, Tom. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Jim, and I am married to that lady who came out on the video. I feel privileged. Um, I want to just first uh, thank you so much for uh, doing God's work with us. Uh, as Tom said, uh, King's Church has been a part of our journey together uh, as missions partner uh, from day one. And uh, whether, you, whether we met personally or not, uh, as you are a part of this congregation uh, as a whole, this church has been a part of the, uh, part of the ministry force uh, that's around the world and in Sydney, Australia as well. Uh, so, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Uh, you have encouraged us uh, over the years so much, and the uh, Lord has used it. And uh, uh, we, feel, we feel privileged to uh, be at the, the work end of uh, this unit together. Uh, and um, yeah, I want to take uh, the next uh, maybe five minutes or so to give you a little bit of update on uh, what we're doing. This is sort of a, a teaser because uh, I think we have a missions, Bible study, Sunday school uh, at the church office later, including lunch. So if you don't have a lunch plan, uh, if you're interested in missions or just don't have anything else to do in the afternoon, uh, please come on by. Uh, but we are in Sydney, Australia, and uh, we are involved in three main things. That's church planting college ministries, and uh, city workers' ministry, or professionals. Um, and uh, it's, uh, uh, it's been pretty full-on, uh, especially the last few years. If I were to give you a broader sketch of what's been happening, I'd say the first five years uh, was a time of sowing, uh, a lot of the times with a lot of tears as well. Uh, it was hard going, uh, not only going to a new place and um, trying to get adjusted personally, but uh, realizing what sort of challenges we're up against and uh, really uh, deeply, deeply realizing that our strengths, our knowledge, <laughs> uh, any of our abilities uh, or what little we have, none of these matter. And uh, things just happen according to God's uh, purpose, His timing, in His way. Uh, it's not about our strategy either. Um, God really, I think, took that first five years and recalibrated us, firstly, to get us to uh, be oriented towards him first, and then uh, really rolling out his plan and getting us on that path. Our plan was to see a church plant happen first, and later, if we have some resource down the road, uh, we might invest in some college ministry, but uh, really, it happened the other way around. Um, and there's so many stories where uh, God has a way of graciously breaking us down so that he can build us up in Christ. Uh, so that's been a, a really wonderful experience, changing, transformative. Uh, I think missions, as well as your life here, is really all about sanctification. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about what we achieve. 
uh, but it's about how we come to know Christ each day. And then the last five years has been a really amazing time of seeing uh, some things sprout from the ground. And we're not a giant oak yet, uh, but we are uh, green around the field. And so it's an exciting time, and I'd love to share more about that uh, when you guys come later. And uh, so how's that for teaser? (laughs) Uh, So please come on by. Also, end of last year, uh, MTW had asked us, to take in a larger role in the area. Uh, so they asked us to provide regional directorship uh, over Australasia. Uh, that's another word for Oceania, but we prefer to use that old term because it's got Australia and Asia in it. Uh, it just means south of Asia, and that's that uh, area including Australia, New Zealand, and Pacific Islands. And so um, <laughs> we were, we, I felt like I was over my head uh, with Sydney alone. and you know, let alone uh, these other things. Uh, so it's a time of learning about um, what God's doing around these parts and what we can do as a as mission to the world uh, to help the ministry and to see the churches get to uh, where it needs to get to, to be healthier in Christ. Um, <clears throat> we have a, a, a campaign, a new campaign in MTW, and it's called 1%. The video that you just saw is, uh, is a promotion for Link Conference, uh, Link Conference is for uh, people who are considering missions to better inform them. It's always been held in the, in the east, usually in Atlanta and southeast, but um, this time around we're trying to bring that over out to the west coast. And it's happening on the, uh, the second week of September. I don't have the exact dates for you, but it's, it's the second week of September. So uh, it's down in Escondido. Uh, I hope you can participate. I'm sure there will be more information following. Uh, so if you ever if you ever thought about missions going overseas, this is this is really a great opportunity to to go and find out uh, and get some answers for the, for the question of you know how do I become a missionary or what's it like. So it's not a, a broad general missions conference, but it's for those who are thinking about becoming missionaries themselves. The campaign I mentioned it's called One Percent, and uh, it's called that because. Um, we are challenging the PCA churches to consider what would happen if uh, our churches committed 1% of our church towards missions. Uh, it's a pretty ambitious thing, but uh, the reason this came about was because a few years ago, uh, we realized that a lot of the missionaries are reaching that retirement age, and they're coming off their fields. And so um, we did some number crunching and realized a certain number of, number of missionaries, new missionaries needed to step up to to, to just get even. And so uh, we started praying for, I think it was about 250 missionaries. And within a couple of years' time, uh, God answered. And we had uh, new young uh, missionaries coming in. And so that was great. And then at the office, uh, we realized, you know, our, our faith was too, too small. Uh, we didn't ask for more. So they thought, well, let's be really bold. Let's ask for 1%. Tithe your people towards missions. So that's the campaign. And uh, we do need uh, our churches to be active in missions. And, uh, and you are. And thank you for being a part of what we're doing. Uh, we'd love to see more of this happen and see God's kingdom grow robust to the ends of the earth. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, uh, time to switch gears and look at the Word of God, and I'd like for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Would you go there with me, please? If you have your Bibles with you or Bible apps, let's turn to Matthew 12, look at verses 1 through 8. 
And the message is titled, Missional Sabbath. Missional Sabbath. And first, the reading of God's Word in Matthew 12, 1 through 8. It says that at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. Amen. Um, I picked this passage and this title because um, I run into uh, situations where I have to explain what we're doing here. Uh, and that soon, that, that happens almost right after I talk about what we do overseas. And then since we're here and we're not overseas, people ask us, okay, great, you know, that's what's going on out there, but what are you doing here? And so I tell them, well, you know, every so often they let, it, let us out. <laughs> they, they let us come out here and uh, recoup and to regather and and all that. So this is like, you know, we call it home mission assignment or home ministry assignment with our organization, uh, HMA. But usually that, you know, that's over most people's heads. So we say it's like a furlough. And, and if that doesn't do it, then I say it's like Sabbath. Ah, okay. So you're here to, you're here to, you're here to rest and to, to just kind of hang out. You're so lucky. You know, you get to have the six months of Sabbath. Um, well, uh, for one thing, that's not all I'm doing. I'm obviously up here. In fact, I do something like this almost on a weekly basis. But also there's a lot of projects going on in between as well. So in a way, it's not a complete break from work. Uh, but at the same time, it is uh, a break from the field work. And as we're coming out here, uh, we do feel the need for rest. Uh, we do feel the need to be restored and be refreshed. Um, so that we can go back and uh, do what we're commissioned to do, which is to do overseas missions and to do the gospel ministry. But what are we really seeking? Um, we, wanna, we want the kind of rest that's not just physical rest. Uh, it's, it's not just about getting more sleep and um, you know, getting to do the fun holiday stuff, but uh, we want to be able to go there and do the work uh, that God planned for us and in, in his power, uh, uh, in a way that's focused, where we're not disoriented, uh, we're not, you know, shooting at wrong places. Uh, we need a kind of God-centered Sabbath so that we could do his work right. And if you think about it that way, it's not just the missionaries who need this sort of Sabbath. Uh, all Christians, you know, all of us who are commissioned by God to be a part of him and to be a part of his workforce in the world, uh, we all need this. We need uh, a rest in him so we can go and do his work. You know? So uh, that's why we, uh, I decided to call this message uh, Mission of Sabbath. 
Um, if you haven't noticed already, the term missional is kind of popular these, these days, right? Um, a little while ago, uh, uh, after about 10 years of first print, uh, Ed Stetz just released uh, an update of his popular church planting manual. It's called uh, Planting Missional Churches. I think that was at the center of what got you know, all these things started, like planting a lot of new churches and being missional in every church and all that stuff. Uh, but the term missional has really grown to be applied so many places. There's another book that was recently published by Gloria Furman. Uh, it's called Missional Motherhood. Some of you may have heard of it. Uh, there's a tagline that goes like this. It says, the everyday ministry of motherhood in the grand plan of God. Good stuff, right? So, you know, I'd encourage you to pick one up out there. Uh, but today we're talking about a different missional. Uh, it's missional Sabbath. And, and if I were to borrow that tagline from Gloria Furman's book, I would, I would summarize it like this. Uh, missional Sabbath is to look at Sabbath in the grand plan of God and to understand why and how we need to recapture the biblical vision of Sabbath uh, or biblical vision for Sabbath in order to better proclaim the gospel throughout our lives. So there you have it. Uh, this is really uh, what this message is about. Uh, the two parts that I'm going to focus on is this notion of missional and then Sabbath. And we'll come back and look at Sabbath a little bit uh, afterwards. Uh, but I want us to th- think about uh, the concept of missional. And, and, and I, I want to um, uh, just say that missional is not just for missionaries, but for all of us who are God's people and who have been commissioned uh, for his purpose. So, uh, but the question is, uh, what does that mean? What, are, what, are, what does it mean for Christians to talk about mission? You know, I would specifically ask, Whose mission? And, and what is that mission? And to really uh, lay a solid foundation for answering this, I think we have to start from the beginning, the very beginning. You know? and, and, and to do this, I think a good way to do it uh, is to go to uh, the, the trustworthy uh, children's catechism. <laughs> uh, are you familiar with catechism? It, it just means question and answer primary or primer material. Uh, so... Uh, if some of your families do this, you'd be very familiar with this. Uh, if we look at children's Christian Q&A answer book here called Catechism, it starts out with a question like this. Who made you? Pretty foundational, right? Who made you? God. There you go. What else did God make? Everything. Okay. And the third question leads into why. And that's really good. Uh, motivation here. Why did God make everything? And the answer is, for his own glory. Okay? It doesn't get any more foundational. God made us. He made everything in the universe. Why? For his own glory. And I think the children's catechism really sets the, the groundwork for better understanding uh, the grown-up version of the Westminster Shorter Catechism question-answer number one, because the Shorter Catechism for slightly grown-ups asks, what is the chief end of man, right? What is the ultimate purpose of mankind? And it answers... I can't work this fancy thing here. Yeah, one part's taped to my face, but the other, time, other one is it's pivoted, and it's, uh, yeah, 
it's moving around. Might need some tape, Zach. Uh, it's okay. I'll just I'll just hold it down or something. I think we're good. Thanks, Robin. We've always been very close like that. <laughs> um, yes. So it asks, uh, what is the chief end of man? What is the ultimate purpose of mankind? And how does it answer? Uh, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Why? Why should we glorify God and all that stuff? Because He made us. It's His. He designed everything for His glory. And so naturally, um, that's where our purpose fits in. And in case it's been a while since you studied this uh, very uh, foundational notion, let's go to the scriptures and look up a few passages uh, that would help us to, to understand why we would summarize from the scriptures uh, this very conclusion. If we look at Romans chapter 11, verse 36, if you can go there with me, Romans eleven thirty-six. 36, here is a, a conclusive Here's a conclusive statement at the end of the chapter. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Okay? Again, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, another very famous passage. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right? And then I want to switch gears a little bit to add another dimension uh, that Jesus brings in John 17. In John 17, verses 22 through 24, during his priestly prayer, uh, he reiterates this glory part for our lives uh, and then adds another thing here. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. This is Jesus praying to the Father. And then verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before, before the foundation of the world. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that God, has, uh, God is in the process of bringing glory to himself and in that process, he is using the Son to his glory. And the Father is lending uh, that glory to the Son and is sharing that glory. But the Son is saying that uh, he invites those that are coming to the kingdom uh, to share in this glory as well. So what's going on? Not only do we live and uh, exist, serve for God's, uh, for God's glory, but also uh, in Christ, we get to share in His glory. I think uh, the Old Testament saints had this understanding as well. As we turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, verse 24 through 26. It says, You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Isn't it amazing? Okay. Uh, this piece is perfunctory. <laughs> the other piece is staying on. Um, okay. Uh, let's gather our thoughts here. 
So we talk about God's glory, uh, the great privilege of being included in His glory, and these are great biblical ideas. I'm not really telling you anything you don't already know. I think the challenge is not so much in explaining to you or to convince you uh, of what God's mission is, that it's for His glory. Um, But as, as a Christian, I think the challenge is making God's mission our own uh, very life's mission and purpose. And really the question this morning is that, are you driven by God's mission? Is your life truly about His glory, focused, entirely devoted, waking up each morning for this very purpose? Is that you? Just like the psalmist said, is God truly the strength of your heart and your portion forever? Let's continue with the children's catechism just a little bit more, okay? Kids catechism number four asks, how can you glorify God? And the answer is by loving him and obeying him. So it's not just about how we feel towards God or how we intend towards God, but also how we live out towards God as well. Number five, and this is the last of our children's catechism lesson this morning. Number five asks, why should you glorify God? Here's, uh, here's something that touches upon our motivation. Why should you glorify God? And the reason is because he made me and takes care of me. And, and I, I want to let this be a lead-in to talk about Sabbath. It's not, we're not just obligated to serve God. But by being united to his design and purpose, uh, we are also led into his rest. In the journey of serving God's glory, we are also rested in his presence. He takes care of us. He is very much about doing this with us. And I think that's something that we forget in our mission. We, we, we think that we have a broad sketch that this is God's plan. Okay, got it, God. Um, let's fold away the blueprint. Let me go and do the work. Um, but I think we have to understand that uh, it, it requires constant journeying with God. And to be able to execute his mission, execute his plans, we need his strength, we need his coaching, we need his presence, we need his power. It has to be done in him. We have to do it with him. I think this concept is so amazing, and it's, it's such a privilege for us. In John 15, verse 14 through 15, here's an amazing statement by Jesus. Again, it's John 15, 14 through 15. Jesus says, you're my friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You know, this, is, this is the amazing thing about the gospel. You know, he doesn't keep us in the dark and just gives us uh, rote commands to execute. Rather, he comes alongside us, includes us in the Father's plan, and walks with us, and basically provides all that we need to execute our lives for his glory. I think we get really disoriented uh, in, in our lives. And forget that uh, this great fellowship 
and partnership with God is here for, for our having. And as I said before, we, we tend to look at God's plan and say, check, gotcha, you know, and then we, we fold the book and then we go on our own way and do our own things. But what, what, what God wants from us is to really uh, stay really close to him, right at his side, and really take each day um, as he gives and also uh, receive his rest along the way as well. And that's important for us to be rested, uh, for us to be reminded of his tremendous love for us. Uh, we need to be overwhelmed by that reality uh, in order to go out and lift a finger. Uh, we need to be uh, raised up by God, you know, I think we are so focused on so many other things in life. We have a lot of other missions. That's the problem. You know, it's one thing to want to be missional as a church and, you know, think about these big thoughts about God. But in reality, our lives are filled with a lot of other missions. You know, our jobs, our family. You know, if you think about your agenda in life, uh, you have a lot of objectives. You have a lot of to-do lists. You know, and, and, but we have to review our to-do and our own missions uh, in light of the mission of God and start really asking and editing some of these things in our lives uh, you know, by considering what do some of these things really have to do with the mission of God? Are these things that I'm about to go out and spend my time, my resource, my heart into do these things have anything to do with the glory of God? And if not, what's it for? Why am I doing this? You know, so often our lives are so filled with other missions that we just completely crowd out God's mission, the mission, the most foundational thing. I understand it's hard. Especially on this side of eternity, uh, it's, it's hard going. Uh, the world throws a lot at us. Uh, but I do want to remind you of uh, the great words of our Savior from Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30. You know this, uh, but listen again. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't this what we're really truly longing for? Rest for our souls. To be able to go to sleep with peace before the one that matters the most and to wake up excited because of him to be empowered by him to do whatever we're about to do, to know that what we do actually matters instead of you know, dissipating in light of eternity. Isn't this what we want? When we live for him, not for our mission and getting tired out, but when we live for him and do it in him, uh, there is accompanying rest. So that's really what this message is about. And I want to talk about Matthew 12, 1 through 8, and, and get into the notion of Sabbath more. And I understand the word Sabbath uh, leaves uh, uh, something of a bad taste in your mouth for some of you, if you hear it, because along with it comes this uh, sort of legal imposition 
um, maybe the strictness you experience somewhere. But I, I want us to get to the scriptures and really think about uh, what Jesus means when he says Sabbath. Okay? Matthew 12, 1 through 8. We read it already, so I'm not going to go and read the whole thing again. But I'd like for us to look at this passage. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, go back to the passage. Let's look at verses 3 to 4. In these two verses, Jesus is citing from the time, or, or, the, or the time, that David and his men ate the bread of the presence from the temple. Uh, they were extremely hungry, exhausted, uh, literally about to die. And when they came to this temple, uh, the one presiding over the temple at the time was priest Ahimelech. And we see this in 1 Samuel 21. And uh, Ahimelech was a, was a gracious, merciful guy, apparently, because uh, even though he was the, the temple keeper and he was the, the minister at the time, the presiding guy, uh, when David and his men were hungry, he understood instinctively or uh, deeply, spiritually, uh, what Sabbath was really about, or even what religion, in this sense, or temple worship, uh, what the point of it all was, and that was life. We were talking about the sanctity of life and uh, how beautiful is it that a child grows up knowing that. Uh, apparently, this priest, Ahimelech, understood the, the, the sanctity of life, how precious it is to the Lord. And so uh, while the bread of the presence for religious purpose was usually prohibited, uh, for most people, in this case, to spare life, he allowed it. And who is Jesus speaking to in, in Matthew 12 here? He's talking to Pharisees who probably would not have done in their, in their time what Ahimelech did several hundred years ago. You know? But at the same time, even the Pharisees cannot really question uh, the mercy of Ahimelech, especially towards uh, their, their, their celebrated King David. So it's a good way to shut them up, if you will. Okay? And, then, and then secondly, uh, in verse 5, Jesus points out that the priests in the temple, even in uh, the present time, during Jesus' present time, even the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath. Oh, very scandalous. Of course, Jesus is being uh, a bit cheeky here. He's being, he's being sarcastic uh, because everybody knows that this is not unlawful. It is not unlawful for the, uh, for the priests to be working on Sabbath. Not for, not for anyone else, but for the priests. They work on Sabbath. Why? Because that's what they're supposed to be doing. They're priests. Okay? There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's a good thing that a priest works for the worship on Sabbath. In both instances... Here uh, we see uh, Jesus appealing to the permission of the temple because that's the authority icon, if you will. Okay? That's the center of their religion. Um, and it's a great setup. It's an important setup because in verse 6, Jesus says, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And of course, what is Jesus talking about? He's referring to himself. The very object of our worship, the very thing that the temple is alluding to. And then Jesus further diverges the intent behind the Sabbath commandment, the spirit behind the letter. And he concludes in verse 7, If you had known what this means, 
I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. He's quoting from Hosea 6.6. 6. And then in the parallel account in Mark 2, he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So here's an in- important conclusion that we have to really draw about Sabbath. Sabbath is not a legalistic imposition. It's not another thing for us to perform. Rather, Sabbath uh, is, is exactly an anti-performance or anti-imposition. You know what Sabbath is? It is God's necessary mercy for us. As we live in this fallen world, as we, as we dwell in this wearying life, God designed us to want it and need it. Not the day so much, but what the day does. What Sabbath does. We need God to preside over us. He's our life-giving covenant Lord. And we need to be filled with His life and presence before we go and try to do life and other things. Jesus says, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. This lordship of Christ over our Sabbath, over our rest, is really important. Um, I won't go over too much more. Are we almost done with time? What are we? Um, just give me five minutes to wrap this up. Okay. Um, one of the things we have to understand about Sabbath is that it's not a response to our fall. Sabbath is one of those things, one of those things that we call the, a creation ordinance, meaning it was, it was built into good creation. After God made the whole world in six days, seventh day he set apart. Why? It's not like people needed extra day of resting or sleeping in. Why? You know? It's, it's, it, was, it was just to be with us. You know? So that people, even after fulfilling their uh, wonderful, perfect design and uh, living and doing things that are very fulfilling to them and having a good night's rest, um, even then... What they need even more at the end of the week is just to be with God and to uh, see his creation and be in wonderment of his wisdom and goodness and loving kindness and to be near him and to be reminded of his affection towards us and just to be with the one who made us with love, to be in that presence. That is affirming. That is strengthening. And that is what we need. I would imagine uh, that perhaps even after this life, even in the new heaven and new, new earth, uh, there would very well be Sabbath. God just has a way of ordering things, even in a perfect state. You know, Sabbath is what marks his people to be different. You would notice that after the fall in Genesis 3, there is no other mention of Sabbath for the rest of the book of Genesis. There is no mention of Sabbath again until God's people are once again reformed and regathered at Mount Sinai. They're coming out of slavery in Egypt and they're being gathered uh, in Exodus. It's hinted uh, in chapter 16 of Exodus as they're receiving manna. You know, all other days you're not supposed to save for the next day, but they're told they could collect on the sixth day for the next day because on the seventh day, as the Israelites are once again being made as God's covenant people, God wants them to know that on the seventh day, you could just be with him. 
to rest in him. And then it was formalized in chapter 20 as law is given to us and Sabbath becomes our fourth commandment. The difference between being God's people and being left out in the wilderness is really this. His presence, his nurturing, his care. We take Sabbath for granted because uh, we just feel like there's not enough hours in a day. There's not enough days in a week. There's not enough days in a month and blah, 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 blah. Because we're, there's a lot to do and we're tired. We're tired and yet we need more days and hours and, you know. But perhaps what we really lack is focus. We really lack understanding of our purpose. I think we need to reclaim that as church. We need to understand that when God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, uh, he's given us new identity, new purpose, and we have to really uh, gather or, or, or review all our activities, all our own little missions in light of that big mission and see what needs to stay and what needs to go and, and how our lives need to be completely, totally be given over to him. And and even before going out to execute this newly edited version of our life's purpose, stop to rest in him first, to be filled in him, to go out there and do things in his power, in his spirit, so that we're not fuming, we're not exhausted, we're not bottoming out, we're not burning out, uh, but carry his light yoke. I know, it's... Uh, Easier said than done, isn't it? Um, but if we can catch this big picture and get serious about this, and reconsider our ways, and reconsider how we may live wiser, realize that we, we're tired and we need His extraordinary love, affirmation, rest, presence. We need his power to fill us to do what we're about to do the next day. We would realize that rest in Christ is indispensable to our very existence. The Sabbath, there are a lot of ways to practically apply it. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine uh, this, this need uh, to be really uh, had really well apart from uh, time that accompanies it. You know, it's not about just realizing great concepts, but we really do need to sit before him. And so a, a day of rest is, I, I think, is indispensable. Um, but however you apply it, and I think uh, as a church we can, we can plan it together, um, uh, but I think we need to be serious about our rest because this is a tired generation and yet a very busy generation. But if we could just put things before him and ask God for him to organize and to empower us, I think that would be great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for um, your great love for us through uh, the very life and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. In him, God, we are completely redeemed. Lord, we are brought into him, and Lord, the, the treasure of our inheritance in him and the great salvation, God, it takes our lifetime to 
really unpack that goodness, and yet we probably will never fully realize it until we get to heaven. Uh, but even so, Father, help us to get more out of Christ and being in Him than uh, we ever have. Lord, because even though we're in You, the reality is that uh, we are often disoriented and exhausted. And we, are, uh, we feel weak in the way we live. So God, help us to consider in the midst of our many, many tasks and personalized missions. God, help us to consider your great mission, your whole glory. You made us in your image to be your reflectors of your glory. Your glory. And God, even though this world is broken, God, help us to participate in the great commission that, that seeks to restore the, the whole reflection onto you. Whether it's at our workplace or our family, God, Help us to really see how we can do that, but also help us to do that not with our power, our limited resource, but Father, help us to dip into your, your uh, bottomless, uh, limitless uh, resource of your power and your wisdom. Help us to rest in you first. Thank you, Lord, um, for your goodness. We give you all thanks and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.